0: Good morrow to you all. You have fallen on Bard Times.
1: Brought to you by Royal Holloway's Shakespeare Society.
0: You've joined me, Cassie Dixon.
1: And me, Jack Hardman, as we bear some bardie truths. Hello everyone and welcome back to Bard Times. I'm here this week with Eleanor Rutter, one of the directors of In Your Dreams.
0: Hello.
1: And, uh, yeah. How are you doing, Eleanor?
0: I'm good. I'm alright. Yeah, how are you?
1: Good. Uh, yeah, I'm wonderful, thank you. Um, busy as ever you know um yep. <laughs> so yeah obviously as one of the di- the directors of in your dreams that is a project that's coming up soon i believe in january
0: uh, i think we're looking more at end of december is brilliant. is the hope the aim is before christmas um but we're still still working that out but soon very very soon
1: right okay brilliant brilliant uh that is obviously the show with musical theatre society this term uh it's Would you like to give a quick kind of summary of it?
0: Yeah. So it's a collection of songs from shows that we'd love to be able to do, uh, but for some reason that we can't. So maybe the rights aren't available or the cast size is too big or anything like that. So we've just chosen some of our favourites that we would do from musicals if we could, and we've put them on. Ah,
1: Hence the name in your dreams then, I suppose. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Very good. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So obviously, uh, as as per usual, um, full disclosure: I'm in this show, and Eleanor is directing me and won these numbers, um, yep. <clears throat> which I'm very lucky for. So I was wondering how how are you finding it? How are you finding the whole process?
0: It it was a struggle at first because I've I've been directing for maybe three four years, and I have a very set. I've developed like a way of doing it that works for me really well. But a lot of that required being in the room with the actors. So then having to move to Zoom rehearsals, I did struggle at the beginning because I was like, I have this routine that now doesn't work. And there was quite yeah. a bit of adjust- adjusting and kind of trial and error and learning. But then I remember I had this one rehearsal with the other number that I'm directing and it just went so well. And I was like, I've cracked it. I've cracked Zoom directing. I've got it now. Um, so it was, it was tricky at first, but now I think... I think I figured it it out for me anyway, like how I translate my own process into Zoom.
1: Fair. Yeah, so, I mean, if you think you've kind of got Zoom directing down, would you like to share with us some of your, like, magic theorem? Um,
0: Oh, I don't know. Um, I think a lot of it was, for me, kind of asking the actors. So there's this one thing that I quite like to do that my friend actually brought to me when we were doing Antigone a couple of years ago. Um, And we were trying to get the weariness of the soldiers because it's set just after a war and kind of everyone's absolutely exhausted. And so to kind of get that physically, he filled this backpack with like books and really heavy things and put it on each of the actors and got them to kind of walk around with it and do certain tasks like pack and unpack this box that he brought in with the backpack on to get them to really feel it and embody it. Um, So when I was doing one of the other songs, I said to Tom, I was like, your character is exhausted. Do you have like a backpack nade that you can just fill with books and put that on and just kind of feel how physically different that is? And he found that really helpful, which is great. So it's kind of collaborating much more with the actors. And I don't because obviously I can't physically bring things in. So it's asking the actors, oh, do you mind doing this? Can you try? Do you have this to hand? Like, don't worry if you don't. But yeah, so that's that's how I kind of worked around it.
1: Yeah. That's fair, yeah, you, this sounds like a very physical uh, like a physical type of directing. Would you describe yourself as a physical director?:
0: I think yes and no. I'm not kind of a movement I do tend to kind of ask other people for. Um, but I do like kind of physical exercises, and very much kind of Jersey Gotowski uh, is one of my favorite practitioners and kind of the idea of body isolation and how you move as a character and how what you're feeling on the inside is expressed. In the, on the outside.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that most directors that you talk to will realise that there there isn't really... I mean, there is obviously a separation between, like, the mental side and the kind of almost psychological aspect of, of trying to get to the root of a character. But if you completely separate that from body, then it, it's just disingenuine, I think, in most cases. Um, yeah, I mean, I... I've never heard of uh, the person you were talking about just then. Could you, would you give us a summary for those at home who aren't drama students?
0: So Jerzy Kraszewski was a Polish director in the kind of mid to late 20th century. He actually died the year I was born, which is really sad because oh. I really like him. Um, and he did a lot. I don't, I don't know if he invented the idea of poor theatre, but he worked a lot with poor theatre, right. which is very blank, blank stage, minimal prop, set, costume, and just kind of very much focused on the body of the actor which, as a drama student, I loved. I was like, this is so fascinating. Yeah. Um, so when, when I did Antigone, it was very kind of minimal and you just had kind of like the odd signifier for costume or prop. But other than that, it was yeah. very much kind of about the body and the space and the emotion and the proxemics and the tension between the characters that you kind of can really focus in on when the stage is completely blank.
1: Yeah, okay, yeah, that makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, uh, I think I might be misrepresenting here. Yeah. Um because again not a drama student but it's quite like it's quite like a almost esque uh, form of theater where it is like the whole focus is just on the actors um, rather than on like a flashy bit of uh staging or something like that yeah um i think yeah i, I mean i love theater like that I, as um, some of you who are listening may know one of the um, one of my favorite plays that i've ever seen is uh, a woman in black which is an excellent example of poor theatre i think in the entire thing there's they stay on like one set uh they use a bunch of like hay bales are uh, the majority of the um the majority of the kind of props and things um yeah so basically i love it i see what you're doing it's great um yeah so um obviously uh, you have directed a Musical show before on campus um, with edges, um, but what what exactly? What well, to be fair, if you want, what drew you to each of the shows that you've directed on campus?
0: Yeah, um, so for in your dreams, it is a very specific. In I've been doing theatre since I was four years old, and since then there has never ever been a time in my life where I haven't been working on some kind of show. Usually more than one at once. Uh, there have been times when I've been doing like three performances at the same time. Um, and so I kind of, I finished my undergraduate degree, which was drama and English. And I was suddenly like, what am I going to do for theatre? Because it's always been like extracurricular stuff. Um, and obviously with COVID, everything shut down. I was like, I need some kind of theatre in my life. And then I was coming back from master's and saw In Your Dreams uh, advertising for crew positions. And I was like, that will kind of satiate the need for theatre. will
1: fill that hole. Yeah, yeah. Fill,
0: fill the gap for me. And also just the idea of it, the kind of, any song that you want to do but for some reason you can't do have at it really really appealed to me and then also for edges I just love Pasek and Paul um <laughs> uh so it was it was something they did when they were at the University of I want to say Michigan but that might not be right And um, but back in like 2005 so before La La Land before The Greatest Showman before Dear Ivan Hansen dogfight i, was, I was gonna say like for that. the people
1: that for people that aren't like musical theater buffs those are the people that did uh greatest showman and La La yep. La La La, things like that
0: yeah and um, so i just really love them and kind of the the key thing about edges is it's about being at this moment in your life where you're at, you're at the edge hence hence the name and it's kind of very much about growing up and growing into different parts of your life and big changes and as a third year facing <laughs> employment with a you yeah, know, english drama degree i was like this feels very very apt fair
1: um that makes sense yeah um so yeah i was wondering how uh so obviously you have directed a, a previous play that is not musical theater um and you are, have directed musical theater and I, I would like to ask you what do you think is the big difference between the two like is there anything that is massively important in one and less so in the other
0: One of the key differences is when you do a musical, you have to kind of make time for uh, the actual songs and the dance numbers. So you have a lot less time to kind of work on characterisation. It's not that you can't do it at all. You absolutely can. But kind of when I do a straight play, I tend to do a whole week of character workshops that you just don't really have time to do when you're doing a musical because you have to fit in all these other factors that don't come into just a straight play um, and kind of for the most part the songs and the dances take longer to learn than the blocking and um, so a lot of the time rehearsal is pri- prioritized for singing and dancing as opposed to the actual acting side of it
1: yeah um that makes sense to be honest um that i was wondering because you said you mentioned blocking how how important is blocking to you in in uh, directing in general
0: yeah for me it's quite important because i when I read a play I see it really clearly in my head so I know exactly kind of where I want people to stand and when I want them to move and I really I'm very interested in like proxemics so where characters stand in relation to each other and kind of the body language between them really interests me so in my head I'm very much kind of like I want you here and I want you to move at this point so for me blocking is quite important but I understand that from other for others it's it's not not so important but for me it's very much kind of i have an idea in my head and i want to put it on the stage but i do work with the actors like if an actor does say oh i don't feel like for me this doesn't feel natural like can i move here instead i'm like yeah go for it like see if it see how it works it's it's very much a, a process so i don't come in like you're gonna move here here and here it's very much like i want you to move here we'll see how it feels if you don't like it we'll try something else
1: yeah i i mean obviously um we've we've worked together in the opposite roles uh and i think one of the big things you said to me uh during love labor's lost which was the play i directed last year
0: yeah
1: um was why on earth is then where is the blocking <laughs> um and yeah. yeah um because for me i i like to i i think in general blocking kind of restricts the actor and it takes them out of the space but i do get the idea that like once you've rehearsed it a few times and once the actor's used to a certain pattern you lock that in yeah. so that you can kind of keep the keep the whole seat like keep keep order essentially it's a very ordered way of doing a show i completely understand it uh, i'm just more chaotic yeah <laughs> um but as a man i'm also more chaotic so that makes sense um so obviously as uh, as hinted out there, you have done lots of roles on campus. You you've acted, you've directed, uh you produced the Addams Family a few years ago. Uh, no, uh,
0: I, sorry, I DSM oh, did you, the Adams Family, I produced King Lear produced... and Love's Labour's Lost. Uh, not Love's Labour's Lost, sorry, the telling of the shrew.
1: <laughs> Good. Okay. <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean to miss thingy there. Um misrepresent you. Um but yeah, so obviously you've you've done a bunch of roles on campus. If there was one in particular that you'd say kind of you Associate with the most. What would that be?
0: Probably is directing. um, Right. Just because, and I kind of fell into it because I always saw myself as more of an actor, and then when I got to uni, I was like, you know what? I'll try some backstage roles and just kind of because I thought knowing how the backstage work will help me as an actor, kind of understand the whole the process of a show in general. Yeah. And then I found directing. I was like, oh, oh, I like this. Um, yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna run with this. But it is something I kind of very much fell into. But felt much more natural for me because when I'm acting, in my head I'm always kind of like, this could go wrong, that could go wrong. I could forget my line. The prop could not be on the table. Someone could come in late. The lights, like, there's so much going on in my head. Yeah. That as a director backstage, I'm like, my job's done now. On show day, like, if they mess up, it's not on me. Like, I can just watch and enjoy, kind of <laughs> oh, thing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just love the whole directing process as well. Kind of the exploration at the beginning. Through to the final project, I just love the whole thing. Um, from a crew yeah. perspective,
1: I think there's a there's a very special relationship that you have as a director to uh, the actors.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: that is different that in is different than any other role. I mean, obviously, it's going to be different than any other role. Otherwise, those roles would be director. Um, but it's it's a special kind of um almost almost intimacy between an actor and a director. An understanding, I'd say, M- maybe less than intimacy. Yeah, so uh, obviously you have mentioned that you've been bi- you've been in plays for your entire life, since you were four. Um, so is there a favourite play that you have done either on campus or off campus?
0: Yeah, There's. so when I was, I think I was about 14, um, I was Alice in Alice, a version of Alice in Wonderland. Oh, very nice. That we did at my theatre, like One Town Over from me that I just loved, I absolutely loved it. Um, and it was kind of, it was almost a retelling, so it was about the, the real world was the modern world, and it was that Alice had an older brother that had died, and the way she kind of dealt with it and escaped was by going to Wonderland. And right. so all the, all the people at the funeral became characters in Wonderland. So, like, nice. the Cheshire Cat was this uncle that just kept trying to make her smile, and Toodle-Dum and Toodle-Dee were these two cousins um, that she had that just kept running around kind of thing. Um, and it was it was so much fun, but it was so exhausting because I was in every single scene. Right. Um, and
1: which so as I, a fourteen year old, yes, was very tiring. Yeah. And
0: so the only kind of break I got was the fifteen minute interval for the whole show. Mm. And I just remember there was this there was this one other actor that was like, "Oh, I'm so, like I'm so tired." And I was like, "You've been in two dances. <laughs> I have not left the stage. Like, shut up." Um, but that was so much fun, oh. and it did. I did also kind of. They didn't put me in many of the dance numbers because they were like, you can just sit at the side and like take a breath because you've done a lot so far. Um, but that was a lot, that was a lot of fun. And then in my first year for first year Shakespeare, we did the Tame of the Shrew and just, I was the producer and just the whole atmosphere of that show was just so lovely. Like it was just a group Mm. of a group of us. Yeah. it, It was just really nice and kind of my two best friends at the moment I have, I have from that show. Um, and it was, yeah, it was just such a nice process and it we just had fun and there was very little drama. That's good. And it just it holds a very special place in my heart.
1: Weirdly, uh the less drama there is in theatre, the better.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no. So the that actually that sounds I mean, just to quickly go back to the Alice the Alice in Wonderland one. That sounds that sounds like a fascinating way to interpret that piece. Um is there is there for anyone that might want to check it out, um, is there any uh, a writer or director who's associated with that that you can remember off the top of your head
0: not off the top of my head because it was one that the kind of the theatre company that I was with had found so obviously the, the person that was directing it but it wasn't their script so I'm not entirely sure um, right. but I can, I can drop you a message if I find it and you can add it to like the
1: <laughs> good okay brilliant uh, yeah we can put it in the event the YouTube description or, or something like that so yeah there, there you go listeners if you want to check that out um, okay yeah so obviously you um you've probably had a lot you've already talked about your friend from uh antigone with the backpack stuff um but is there are there any other directors or kind of actors who have influenced you or inspired you over the years
0: yeah i do love michelle terry um current artistic director of the globe who just i just think she's amazing um because she kind of does everything she's directing she's acting she's producing she's just kind of and she's always does does I think really interesting versions of things right um right. and facilitates a lot of really interesting work so if you think of kind of Amelia uh that was put on in 2018 um by written by uh Morgan Lloyd Malcolm and directed by Nicole Charles um, I mean, it's their project, but I think Michelle Terry did kind of create an environment where that could be created. Yeah, which is so important um, to a,
1: say a, a, as, as, a as, as a leader of a theatre.
0: Yeah. Um, and there's there's a director called Polly Findley, right. Uh, right. She's done some work with The National. Um, I just really, really love her work. So she did a version of Antigone that I saw uh, with Jodie Whittaker and Christopher Eccleston. Right. Right. Really interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, and kind of some of my ideas for my version of Antigone were kind of that I got while I was watching that and I'm Mm. like oh that's really interesting you know I'd like to draw more on that in in my one kind of thing so I did find her a very big inspiration when I was watching that and Katie Mitchell probably quite generic to say (sighs) but but um just kind of not so much the actual plays she puts on because she puts on I like Shakespeare and early modern plays and she puts on kind of much more much more modern stuff Mm. Her rehearsal process, I find very interesting. Yeah. So I do have a copy of her book that just has like scribbles all over it, because um, I think I, I quite like the way she works behind a behind a script and behind a play.
1: I feel like every copy of uh, any kind of like director or or dram- dramaturg's book that I have is just covered in notes. Uh, it's just covered in scribbles. Um, but yeah, no. So obviously, you directed Antigone on. Uh, at the university but is is uh greek theater something that kind of speaks to you in a way or is that
0: do you love greek theater i'm not as kind of well versed in it as i would like mm. to be um but i just i really love tragedies Fair. which obviously greek is just a plethora a of tragedies of yeah, it's yeah, yeah, amazing yeah, yeah, yeah. and i just think there are just some really interesting characters like i love greek mythology mm. in general and kind of the way that that works into Uh, greek plays i find really interesting and like kind of greek literature and some medea in particular Mm -hmm. i just love i find it so interesting um the kind of the dynamic between her and i'm gonna get it wrong i think it's jason is the guy in the play but that could very easily be incorrect um but the, the kind of their dynamic um i just find fascinating and her as a character i find really interesting so i think the greeks did come up with some very very interesting characters
1: yeah i I mean obviously um and people are probably fed up with me talking about this because this is the third podcast I've mentioned this um but I we've just finished doing a version of if and in Taurus and some of the characters in that are just wonderful I mean if is such a strong it's like a, such a strong empowering character who just kind of no nonsense just gets on with it and i uh, I mean obviously I'm biased but I love Orestes as a character just because um He's so like screwed up, and I and yeah, I, yeah, yeah. He's I I almost like how kind of fragile he is, if that makes sense. Without yeah, um, I get that. yeah, it's, it's endearing, uh, if not incredibly irritating. Um, but the for everyone in the play, I mean, not for me. Okay, so Eleanor, we uh, as per a recurring segment on the show, I do have to ask you. Um, what is your favourite Shakespeare play?
0: Uh my favourite Shakespeare play is The Tame of the True. It has been for a very, very long time. Um I just I just think Kate is such an amazing character. She has some brilliant speeches, like especially the one in Five Two, like Fi Fi and they Threatening Unkind Brow, that the famous one. Mm. But I also think that Bianca is misunderstood quite a lot in the terms of she's actually very clever in the right. way that she plays her gender and plays the men around her and she's very aware of what she's doing she she knows how to get what she wants so she does and kind of the difference between how kate and bianca go about trying to get what they want and their varying levels of success i just think is really interesting it's
1: almost the point of the play yes yeah. um i think <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's I, lo- I love taming the Shrew. um i i would a version of it a little while ago um and yeah no i i think i i couldn't agree more i think the play is about let's face it all the men in it are the worst um and the play is about is about the girls um uh, and seeing kind of how they how they deal with just being surrounded by a bunch of just the worst people um otherwise known as men um (laughs) i'm kidding up to a point um there's but yeah okay enough about you um <laughs> uh there's let's get on to the news of the week so um i i realized i the more episodes i recorded this the news of the week is more like the news of the week a few weeks ago um but because obviously this is coming out in december and we're recording this right at the beginning of december um but the national has announced this uh kind of streaming service for all of their plays and all which is I think an amazing thing. And I just wanted to get your take on it. What do you, what do you think about it? I this? think
0: I do think it's really, really good. And it's a really good way to keep theater present and kind of in the now and make sure that people still have access to it. And you can kind of, if you can't afford the full year thing, you can just rent mm. like a one-off play. Like say, if you, you really wanted to see, um, the Othello that they've put up, you can just rent that, Yeah, uh, which I do think is really good. Um, but there is kind of a difference between watching something online and watching something.
1: Oh, totally, in yeah. In
0: person, yeah. so yeah. I do yeah. think sometimes streaming is amazing, I mean, it if it's the only way we can access theatre, then we should use it as much as we can. But it does kind of make me a little bit sad sometimes because I watch it and I'm like, oh, but I'm not actually not actually there, and kind of the the because you can like pause it and leave and come back. I think yeah. you yeah. lose the kind of the immersion element of theatre. Yeah,
1: I can I couldn't agree more. Um, I think. I, I really hope that it doesn't affect the number of people coming to see theatre uh, when when they reopen. I really hope it doesn't... Uh, I, I, I hope it's a change for good, essentially. But also, it's an excellent way, I think, of capturing plays that may never be put on again. Um, I mean, obviously, a play like Othello will be put on again at some point, um, but... Certain versions of it, I think it's a very good way of capturing things like that, which would, yeah. And to be fair, especially with a um, production company, like production company, what am I saying? A theatre like The National, where they have a just enormous backlog, um, there's there's no point in them not doing this, I think, if, if that makes sense. Like, it's utilising what they have, uh, especially to keep themselves afloat. But I am wondering uh, what, what you think this could mean for like, the future of theatres. Do you think other theatres are going to copy this, things like the RSC and others like that? Yeah, I
0: think well, you, can, you can access some of the RSC stuff online in the kind of. They've got like a learning portal. Um, right. So you can, for the RSC, you can kind of watch stuff and drama students have access to drama online. So there is, there is quite a lot of streaming already available. But it does kind of make me think, kind of what you just said about how now that they have streaming, does that mean that people are going to stop? actually going to theatres when they reopen and does that mean that people are just gonna be like oh well i can watch it from home so what's the point in going and i think we might be in danger of losing a very central part of theatre and what the theatre experience is
1: yeah i mean yes i i I mean obviously i brought up the same point so i do agree but um i also think it might be an an opportunity to kind of reel in people who would never have previously gone to the theatre either because they don't have the uh as you say as you said earlier they don't have the money or they don't have the the time to you know make a day of a day trip into london or or whatever big city is nearby and go and watch some theater and it doesn't stop i don't think it will i don't think basically what i'm saying is i don't think all theaters are going to do this by any stretch um so i don't think we're going to see local theaters and stuff like that shutting down at any point soon um but yeah, it is. It is something that I think, as a community, we need to keep an eye on because we don't want to become. We don't want to com- become complacent in in this kind of time of um, well, almost lack. Well, in this lack of theatre, essentially, in this vacuum that we we are currently in. Um, yeah, I
0: think I always forget because I live so close to London. I forget that it takes like sometimes people have to make a whole day of it. I do forget that I am in quite yeah. a yeah privileged location for theatre um,
1: and I think quite a lot about the people at this uni I mean when we're at this uni we're only what 40 minutes away from London 40 at any minutes. point
0: and I th- so in terms of kind of getting it to places or to people that can't come to like London or Manchester or somewhere else that has a big theatre it is really good in that respect because it means you don't have to spend a whole day traveling and um, you can just kind of watch it from your home so it is really good in that way
1: Yeah, I agree. So, uh, on that note, I think we will call it here for today. So, thank you so much, Eleanor, for coming on. This has been lovely.
0: Thank you for having me, yeah.
1: That's okay. Um, And, yeah. Thank you for joining me this week for Bard Times. This has been Jack Hardman. Stay safe, and in the words of the Bard himself, there is nothing either good or bad.
0: The thinking makes it so. See you next time.